Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so proud that you have joined in to listen. If you're new here, welcome for the very first time. And if you've been here for a while, thank you for coming back. Um, so at the very top, everyone knows I always shout out uh, the, the National Domestic Violence Hotline number. That number is 1-800-799-7233. If you need an advocate to speak to, or if you're you know, needing assistance to, to finding a shelter or somewhere in your state. I do believe they have people who can assist. If there is a long wait time for, for that assistance, you can always, if you have the internet or, you know, a computer nearby or a cell phone, you can look it up on your cell phone. Domesticshelters.org is a wonderful resource. They have, you can type in what shelter you're looking for exactly, um, the crisis line numbers, I believe they have all those informations to each and every uh, shelter or organization that helps with domestic violence. And also, please do not listen to this podcast if you're in any type of danger or in a domestic violence dispute. Please um, hang up the podcast, find a safety plan, and dial 911. We do not want you to listen if you're in any danger. Um, so, my special guest is Sybil Cumming. I'm so excited for this. We've been we've been kind of stewing at this for quite a while. So she's finally here. And Sybil, go ahead and take it away. I'm going to let you introduce yourself and what you do. Yeah, thanks, Missy. I so appreciate um, you allowing me to speak to your audience. And it has. It's been kind of the back and forth of really trying to get us together um, for this process. Um, but yeah, so I am... Um, by training, I'm a licensed professional counselor, and I have been specializing in working with families who have experienced domestic violence and narcissistic abuse. Even the youngest witnesses, I've worked with kids as young as three and a half who have witnessed domestic violence. And through that process, what I've really seen with my adult survivors is that the they're lacking a sense of community due to that extreme isolation that they've experienced from their abusive partner. And so I've really focused recently on creating a community of survivors to come together and heal. And with that, I've really found kind of a, a more of a subspecialty in working with post-separation abuse and specifically the legal system. So for um, mostly women who are dealing with divorce and family court who have children with their abusive partner and managing um, the biases and the struggle of that post-separation abuse and legal abuse. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a strong passion for me to do so. And I'm really enjoying it. And again, just love being able to connect with others that are doing similar work um, like you. So mm -hmm. that's me in a nutshell um, and can just talk about this for days. Yes, definitely. Um, so I love, I love that you mentioned community. I love that, um, you know, you go back to that. And so when we mention community, um, I, I'd like to know, like, your standpoint um, when it does come to community, you know, because in a lot of these different communities that we do have, uh, you know, around the United States, these um, 
you know, the small communities like where I'm from specifically, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. um, so how would you suggest the community as a whole kind of come together to support victims of domestic violence or survivors as well? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing within our, our larger communities and our systems is awareness and education mm -hmm. is um, one of the things that is so hurtful to the victims and survivors I work with is those comments that are usually not intentional, but really go to show the, the lack of knowledge of what domestic violence looks like. Like the comments of like, well, I can't even believe that he's so nice. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, there's no way, or if you were still, if you were that scared, why didn't you just leave? Oh yeah. And right. There's no, Usually there's no intention of harm, but wow, the amount of harm that those comments cause victims who are already doubting themselves, who are already feeling, you know, extremely embarrassed, ashamed, fearful. Um, they're just trying to protect themselves and their kids and reaching out and they hear comments like that from family and friends. So I think the first step in the larger communities it's just becoming aware of what it looks like, mm. right? Like a victim of domestic violence is not what most people think. Um, they're, you know, and I think it's definitely geographical mm -hmm. what people think a victim of domestic violence looks like, but mm -hmm. here where I'm at in Colorado, um, and some of this will be similar elsewhere, but um, a victim of domestic violence is what people think it is, is a young woman low education, mm. low socioeconomic status, um, maybe got married really young to the blue collar worker who comes home, um, you know, drinks beer and beats her. Mm. And that, that's what domestic violence looks like. And that's not, I mean, are there cases like that? Sure. But that's not actually what it looks like mm -mm. Um, in the majority of the cases that I work with. Right? Domestic violence does not discriminate at all based on age, socioeconomics, education levels, gender even. We know mm -hmm. that there's higher rates um, of domestic violence and heterosexual male to female um, violence, and yet there are male victims. Mm -hmm. There are victims in the LGBTQA community. It's everywhere. And so I think that awareness... Um, of what domestic violence actually looks like is a huge piece to building that greater community. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I agree with you 195 or 200% <laughs> of what you just said, because people often think, Oh, it's a poor person's issue. Uh, you know, yeah. so, you know, the economical um, thing, um, an uneducated female, perhaps, um, you know, or is being abused. And, and this doesn't happen to educated females, you know, and so, yeah, definitely, definitely something that, and, and education, to go back to education, education is major. Awareness and outreach is major in this. Yes. Major. Yeah, and then there's so many women that I work with mm -hmm. who, because that myth of the victim of domestic violence, they don't even know they're experiencing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so they 
aren't going to reach out for domestic violence resources because they have no idea, you know, they, maybe mm-hmm. they've never been physically harmed. Right. And so they have no idea that they are also victims of domestic violence, which is actually one of the reasons I use the term narcissistic abuse. Mm-hmm. I know it has a lot of, um, there are, you know, people that are very pro using that term and people that don't like that term at all. Yeah. And from my training as a therapist, it's our job to meet people where they're at mm-hmm. in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so if they are not going to subscribe to the label of victim or survivor of domestic violence, but they will subscribe to, you know, yes, I am a a victim of narcissistic abuse and that allows them to reach out to get the support they need. Then I don't actually care what term they use. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then it's my job over time to educate them as well of what narcissistic abuse looks like, how it looks as domestic violence, because, um, narcissistic abuse that's done by an intimate partner is always domestic violence definitely it just is yeah definitely Definitely. but if it allows someone to get the support and help they need then don't care the language don't care the language i'm gonna support them either either way right definitely you know i had a female once that told me well i didn't get hit he didn't hit me you know he didn't hit me So, you know, Mm -hmm. I know that he financially had withheld funds, uh, you know, didn't let me in the checking account, you know, and I had children with him and we had to go without food and, you know, and I had to reach out and get assistance somewhere else, but he didn't hit me. So it's not domestic violence. It's not called, you know, I don't feel like that I've been abused and I'm like, that's a, an emotional abusive situation. That's mental and emotional abuse. And it is a part of domestic violence. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. these, you know, the, all of those, you know, misconceptions about what domestic violence looks like, um, the rates of false reports mm-hmm. of domestic violence um, and things like that really play, I mean, really, really play into the work that I do specifically mm-hmm. with um, legal abuse in mm-hmm. the post-separation abuse realm, mm-hmm. because Unfortunately, judges, evaluators, mediators, they also believe the myths and misconceptions about domestic violence. Mm. And so your case may be seen by someone who won't believe you, Mm. first of all, especially Mm. if you've been with your partner for years and years, there is this, right, this idea of like, well, if it was so scary and unsafe, why didn't you leave? Right. Absolutely. And so, you know, that makes it just double hard for, you know, women trying to leave their partners and they have children with them and they have, they will have to go through, right. That legal proceeding Mm -hmm. for, um, you know, custody and decision-making and child support related things. And they're with people, you know, and the people making decisions don't understand it either. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I say that all everyone should be trauma informed when it comes to intimate partner abuse and domestic violence. To me, everyone, if you're in the courthouse, if you're in the police department, if you're whatever you're doing, anyone that works in the public eye 
who who has to deal like people in the medical community even Mm -hmm. um if you have to deal with women or human beings who are being abused you should get trauma-informed um training that's just you know you should understand because that to me it, it signifies what happens to a female who's been in abuse for many years and then they're not understood. Trauma does so many things to human beings. Um, and so she's so went, many. yeah, so she's went through all those years of trauma, right? And and whatever for whatever reason, she has stayed for probably a zillion reasons, different reasons, finances, uh, the children, you know, didn't want to uh-huh. take the children from daddy. Cause hey, he might be a wonderful father, and she may say that. She might say, well, yeah. he's a great dad. He just, he's just not nice to me. He's just not a good person to me. And, you know, it's sad. That is so sad. Um, yeah, and so you yeah. are, you're put in these positions where it's, you know, you, you can't even say that I am a victim of mm-hmm. because then you're, you're not believed or... You know, again, there's that misperception that people lie about sexual abuse mm-hmm. or they lie about domestic violence, specifically in the family court realm. People have this belief that that women do this all the time as a tactic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in family court, and it's just not true. The percentages are extremely low within, you know, false reporting, mm-hmm. um, but that's just not what people believe. Yeah, And so, you know... Um, the, the women I work with, the women in my community that I work with, um, they're, you know, they're, they're battling more than just their abusive partner Mm -hmm. in court. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's finding ways to help them really mitigate that. And then to go to your point of being trauma informed is how can they present in a way that allows people to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. And if they, right, if they're on the stand, and they're looking like a crazy person and the narrative that their partner is saying is she's mentally unstable. Mm -hmm. Then people are like, Oh, yep. See, she's mentally unstable. But what they're not looking at is what is the trauma behind that presentation? Why is she presenting this way Mm -hmm. in this situation? And most of the time it, it is, it is based out of trauma and fear and, and shame, a lot of shame. And, you know, trauma looks different in a lot of ways. You can Mm -hmm. see that really extreme hypervigilance of trauma. This, the person who looks extremely anxious, um, has really, you know, like strong emotional outbursts. And then you have the, the people who shut down and they freeze Mm -hmm. and they just look flat and blank and can talk about horrific things with no emotion. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And right. And that can be construed as like being cold or not credible because like who could talk about sexual abuse and just be flat with no emotion Well, they're in their freeze response. They're mm-hmm. in their freeze trauma mm-hmm. response. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, everyone, everyone needs to learn enough about trauma Mm -hmm. to ask the question and be curious of why is this the reaction? Like, why did they present this way? They don't have to know everything about the nervous system. 
but they need to be curious enough to ask. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And the I, and I want to um like talk to you real quick about this topic. So mm-hmm. after after a female like even myself like right. So after you've been out of the traumatic situation for like twenty some odd years, like I have, you know, mm-hmm. you still present. I have moments of triggers, um, you yeah. know, of the lasting trauma that I had. I mean, you know, the 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 trauma that was once there that happened. So um, your standpoint of view. Um, do you like what types of therapy do you think like like someone had mentioned to me one time I should do some holistic therapy um, mm-hmm. that that would really help me because I have an autoimmune disease I have um, lupus and so mm-hmm. you know and, and more than likely the trauma that I once experienced has an effect on my autoimmune system um yes, so and, it and, absolutely does you know Sybil I don't I don't get triggered very often and there's like I was telling a, um a, one of my good friends who is a therapist about uh something that quite triggers me and that's when I'm physically being put through pain and and I find that happening when I go to the dentist like mm-hmm. like getting shots in my gums trigger me horribly to the point to where I am squalling crying so, yeah. I mean, it's it's a very rough um, thing for me. I, my teeth were affected by abuse, and I had to have, mm-hmm. like, a part of my teeth extracted, and I had to have a plate put in, and I'm really needing to do two plates now, but I am so hesitant to go back because of the trigger, the, you know. But what, what would you suggest, like, when, when a woman goes through that, with her triggers from, you know, being traumatized once in her life, what should she do? What, what type of therapy do you think would be good for her? Yeah. So there's a lot of different thoughts on that because it really has to fit Mm -hmm. you and your needs. So some people, um, when they're going through an abusive relationship, literally turn off all of their awareness Mm -hmm. to how their body is feeling. They have no idea about any of their physical sensations and how to listen to those and how to listen to their intuition or any of that because thinking of the body or feeling parts of your body can be extremely triggering, especially if you've had sexual abuse or some severe physical abuse. And so for people who are experiencing things like that, going to a therapist who does somatic work, Mm -hmm. which is like using your body to heal and learning that kind of emotional intelligence, but not just knowing what your emotions are, but how do they feel within my body and how do I listen to my body in order to help me heal can be really, really effective. Um, There's a lot of different trauma modalities that um, therapists use, and it kind of is based on um, just a therapist style and way of working. And some of it is based on their education and and kind of when and where they got that. Um, So I personally go, I use a narrative based therapy. um, And so it is through storytelling and it is helping you rewrite your story, looking at your story um, and finding those moments where maybe Um, you can see where shame is popping up for you and being able to rewrite that. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's, I'm 
that's part of my training. I'm from a systemic framework. So looking, you know, beyond the individual person and not the that medical model of something's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's, there's other modalities too. There's one internal family systems, which looks at the different parts of you. So there are parts of you that come out to protect you. And a lot of times we don't really like that part when mm. it comes up. Maybe mm. it pushes people away. Maybe it looks really angry. Mm-hmm. Maybe it shuts down. But um, IFS, you really get to be in tune with those different parts of you in, in protecting you. And then the one that is probably the most um, common, the most asked about trauma modality is EMDR, which is eye movement um, desensitization and reprocessing. Mm-hmm. So EMDR is amazing. And there's some caveats to using it with victims of domestic violence, um, as with all of these modalities, actually. But these modalities are for when you are like the trauma is over and you are safe. Mm. And so if you are not safe, like the majority of women that I work with, they are more physically safe after they've left. Um, And I do work with people who haven't left yet as well. But after they've left, but they are still going through all of the post-separation abuse, financial abuse, legal abuse, um, watching their children be potentially abused or the the counter-parenting, extreme isolation still and the smear campaigns and things like that. Mm. And you do not have psychological safety. And I mean, we have people that don't have physical safety after with stalking and um, being tracked and things like that as well. Um, And so EMDR may not be the best fit if you do not, if, if you're not actually safe, Mm. Um, but it's a really amazing modality. um, If you can, if you are safe. Um, And then the one other thing with EMDR, if you are heading into a criminal court hearing, I do not recommend EMDR. And um, I think Shapiro, I can't think of her first name right now, but the creator of it, um, she also says, if you have, court testimony um, coming up, you need to really be careful of EMDR because it um, will have you responding differently to talking about your experience, which right in healing, that's the goal, Mm -hmm. but it can change how you present and what you remember. And so if you're testifying in court about what you remember and it's different than write those first statements that you're writing for the police or, or the last hearing or something like that, it can cause problems. Mm. Thank you for like explaining all these things, because I, I can imagine that we have some listeners that may be going through this or may be going to go through this. So this mm-hmm. is just some very wonderful and really insightful information for them to carry along. Um, you know, throughout the process, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's a process. And, yeah. you know, a lot of women, um, you know, they are suffering with that process. And, you know, and it, and it's just really wonderful to hear about all these different things that would help and that maybe would not help that might be even, you know, detrimental um, if they're going for this. So thank yeah. you. Thank you for explaining all that. Yeah. And then you're, I mean, really asking your therapist if they understand domestic Mm -hmm. violence and what that looks like. And we could do, you know, three episodes on the lack of training in the mental health community Mm. on domestic Mm. violence. Yeah. 
that's like a soapbox that I'm not going to get on today, but we're not, we're not trained in working with domestic violence as a, as a mental health community. So that's just a huge issue. Um, and then the, the other thing, yeah, right. Like, yeah, I already know. I already had know. like 30 minutes in my graduate program. <laughs> right, right, right. On domestic violence. And that was it. Wow. Um, but then I was thinking the other piece of, of helping of healing, which is why I started. So I started the rising beyond community. Mm-hmm. Um, and why a lot of um, advocacy agencies have support groups mm-hmm. is because healing within a community of other women, or if you're a male, finding a group of with males, which is harder to find, unfortunately, but um, to heal alongside people who understand and they get it. And you don't have to defend yourself mm. from people not believing you. Um people just understand that that I have seen to accelerate healing so much. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So much quicker. Yes. So it, to me, it's a very important step in the healing process to get a trauma therapist and to also um, get a support group. Yes. I get yeah. it, get a, you know, get involved in a support group um, that have, you know, women who are you know professional therapist who is ahead of that group and then there's other women who are surviving domestic violence just like you are that are in a part of that so you can be a part of you're not by yourself you're not alone in this you right know. right and it, <clears throat> right like what an abuser does is isolate you mm. so you do feel alone definitely you're yeah. the only one that's yeah. experienced this and how shameful that you're experiencing this and you can't get out or maybe you, you don't realize you need to get out mm-hmm. and you're ashamed about other things. And so when you, you know, you start hearing the terms like gaslighting or love bombing, you know, you're not alone because they, right. The dictionary would not have come up with words if it was one person's experience. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, Absolutely. It wouldn't be a term right. if it wasn't happening to a lot of people. Yeah, Absolutely. You're you're one hundred percent correct. They it they would not. So you know, um, and and Sybil is not just a um, counselor, therapist. All of the wonderful things that she does, she is also a podcaster. So we've got a few minutes I, left, and I'm gonna <laughs> let you. I'm gonna let you explain um, what you do and where to find you, and all of those wonderful things about yourself. Yeah, so I started a podcast um, mid-2022. It is called the Rising Beyond Podcast. And really my goal for that podcast, like why on earth did I start one, was one is due to financial abuse. A lot of people don't actually have access to people like me. Mm. And so I wanted to offer me and my background and hopeful stories to women who may not have access to help where they're at. Um, but then also to offer hope mm. because if you're, you know, researching, maybe you're on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or whatever, especially if you're dealing with family court um, in that process, you're going to hear the horror stories over and over and over. Just horror story after horror story after horror story. And there's not a whole lot of hope being shared. Mm. And so really I wanted to share the horror story in the sense of like, you need to know what to expect, 
But guess what? There's actually things you can do to prevent the horror story from happening. And here's other survivors and other experts that can share their positive stories and their, you know, their success stories of how they overcame things and how they're thriving in their world now. And again, experts to help in different areas um, as well. And so I'm, yeah, super excited. Love it. You and I both know that both of us can talk about this forever. So we can might as well record it <laughs> and put it out there for everyone else to listen to. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, you guys go check Miss Sybil coming out. Come in. I almost said a G on your name. So, um, so where can they find you real quick? We got like a minute left. Yeah, so you can search the Rising Beyond podcast and all your favorite platforms. But if you want to reach out to me directly and learn about um, the Rising Beyond community, the website is www.risingbeyondpc.com. Or you can shoot me a direct email. Totally cool with that. It's info at risingbeyondpc.com and I want to help you get wherever you need to go. Absolutely amazing. Thank you so much, Miss Sybil. It has been a pleasure talking to you or listening to you and your expertise and listening to you with all of your wonderful informations that you had to put out on the podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of the I'm a Survivor podcast. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. And um, guys, Come check us out. Go check Sybil out. She's wonderful. I love her podcast. I recommend it. And so thank you guys for supporting. I'm a survivor. I love you guys. And I will talk to you on the next podcast. Bye, everyone.